listening to Our Wayward Life, a podcast about living life a bit differently. We're Natalie and Daniel, a married couple from Tennessee. In 2015, we sold everything we owned, moved overseas, and we've been living the expat life ever since. Stick around to hear about our travel experiences, both good and bad, our expat adventures, and everything in between. Welcome back to episode number 10. So we're glad you're here with us today. Uh, we're taking another interview, a little bit different twist. So we are here with Seth Steele, who owns the pinball bar No Quarter in East Nashville. And we are also here with his biggest fan, Jonathan Turner, who also happens to be my brother. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So, Seth, can you tell us uh, how long has No Quarter been open? Uh, we opened a, a little over three years ago. Um yeah, there was a little bit of downtime in there, thanks to a tornado and whatnot, but um, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary next month. Okay, that's awesome. And Jonathan, I'm assuming you've been going there since it opened. Yes, every day, Okay. Much. All right, And it's your neighborhood bar as yes. well, like it's yes, right down it's the road. it's half a mile from my house. Okay, so Seth, can you tell us a bit about like the layout of No Quarter? If someone's never been there, how would you describe it to them? Yeah, it's sort of a, a like a dive lounge type feel is how I explain it. The, the front room is as many machines as we can cram in there. We have about 12. And the back room is the bar, uh, sort of the chill spot when you can't handle all the noise from the games and whatnot. Okay. Um, and why pinball? That's a, that's a great question. I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> um, uh, probably about 10 years ago, I was doing like, so my background's in computer science, uh, web app development, things like that. And I was just looking for something to escape a computer screen. So I stumbled on a pinball game, fell in love with that same sort of aspect of fixing the problems, but I was using my hands instead of typing on a keyboard. So it gave me an opportunity to get away, a little bit of an escape. I kind of fell in love with it. One game turned into two, which turned into 20, and kind of spiraled out from all of that. Okay, that's awesome. And is that the same reason why you go, Jonathan? Is like for that escape or? When I first went, I literally went because Seth and I were friends and he was opening a bar in my neighborhood. And I was like, oh, this will just be my happy hour place that I'll go in, have a couple of beers. I don't have any interest in pinball. But the way it works at No Quarter, every time you buy a drink, you get tokens to play games. And I just wound up with a mound of tokens and decided to try it and got hooked within two weeks okay so you don't actually have to pay to play pinball you just pay for your drink and with the drink you get some tokens yeah and if you need to buy more tokens you're not finishing your drink fast enough or whatever you can buy extra but um yeah the idea when i started it was to introduce as many people into pinball as possible so i wanted the barrier to entry to be as low as possible so we tried to give you some tokens as you're drinking let people explore and experiment and try to understand it so okay and I mean, I've been there a few times. We absolutely yeah, love it. Multiple times. And we have a great time. We're not really into pinball. That's not something we have a lot of in Abu Dhabi, but I can definitely see where that attraction comes from. And if you played it consistently, that you may be a bit better than me and just like, I don't know what it's called. I would call it like a gutter ball and bowling. But <laughs> every time for me, that's what happens. Um, but would you say that like by opening the pinball bar in Nashville that you think um, the audience for pinball has grown? Yeah, I, I think we've definitely seen it grow. Uh, one thing we sort of um, put a focus on is competitive pinball and sort of growing that scene. And when we started, we would have 15 people out for tournaments. I mean, we've had nights where we're getting 35. Um, 
we've seen a lot more interest. Um, so it's 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 unique because it sort of takes a moment where it clicks, uh, like like pinball. When people realize, oh, it's kind of like a board game. You do this, and this happens, and you get a better score because of that. Or there's this set of rules, and every game's different. Once that clicks with people, it seems to really get going. So I consider that my goal as a pinball enthusiast to try to get people to that, oh, it just clicked moment. And it's 100% gotten there because the majority of the Tennessee, like, there's a rating system for pinball. And you can do competitive tournaments, and they have a state finals and nationals. And the majority of the Tennessee State players play at no quarter. I would say probably 65, 70% of them play out of that bar. When you're saying like the majority of state players, how many are we talking state players or would there be? I didn't even know there were like state there's competitions. A, yeah. for so this. there's a top 24 um, at the end of the year. They take all those people and they'll play a tournament, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, wherever they decide to do it. And, but overall, I mean, Anybody that plays in a tournament gets a ranking, like, automatically. So, What are the prizes for these tournaments? Like, if you're really good, can you make a career out of pinball? I wouldn't say a career. Like, um, some of the best players in the world are probably maybe doing, like, spending money over the cost of travel. (laughs) So it's definitely still a passion project for sure. And a lot of the top guys work in pinball. They design games, stuff like that. That's very cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. So what, what made you come up with this concept? I know you said that you were in IT and you worked on computers and this and that and other, but what made you come up with the concept of a pinball bar? Yes. I, mean, I never would have thought that <laughs> in a million years. So um, actually, my original partner in the business, he uh, ran a startup in town, and we had a space right next to um, uh, Cannery Ballroom, one of the biggest, well, I guess, I don't know, most popular venues in Nashville. And we had this little startup and we had maybe 2,000 square feet we just weren't using. And we ended up throwing probably 40 pinball games in there. And one night, we were having the regular pinball nerds out. And people were going to a show and just started wandering in. And they started asking, like, where can we buy beer? And we're, we're just playing pinball. We're not selling beer. And we ended up having probably like 50-something people that night who just wandered in off the street on their way to a concert. Oh, wow. Thinking we were a bar. So we were like, we got to do something. So it all kind of came out of that. And... You know, we, th- we saw it as sort of the next step of if we're going to grow this, you know, we need to be available more than once a month, which is what we were doing out of that startup space. So it all sort of spiraled out of there. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Now, you're already expanding to a bigger location, mm-hmm. but right next door to your yeah. current location, yep, right like next literally door. the next <laughs> yes, door. Yep. Okay. What was the size of the, the first one that you opened up? Uh, Not the startup, but the one that you're currently yeah, in. Yeah. The current one is it's around 1,400 square feet, so it's pretty tiny. Okay. Um, and the, the next one? Uh, it's going to be about 2,600 square feet. So we have about 12 games now. Wow. We'll move to 18 to 20 games in the new one, and we'll have a little bit more room to hang out and things like that. So Okay. And are you going to be adding anything else with pinball in your new space? Um, just more pinball? You know, it's possible. I, I definitely want some sort of focus on whatever it is to be competitive. So I've maybe kicked around a golden tee or something, but my focus is definitely pinball. I don't want it. There's other arcade bars that exist and, you know, they'll do a old emulator of Mario Brothers. I don't, I don't need that. There's enough people doing that. So I want something like real, something that's there, that's happening. I want that to be the majority of what's in there for sure. Okay. That sounds like a great idea. Sounds like if it's working, then don't change it. Yeah. Just make it bigger, make it better. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now tell me about the bar side. Like, can you get any drink in there? Is it only beer? Because you were saying these people just wanted beer. Like, did you just start with, hey, we've got Bud Light? Or did yeah. you want to do something a bit better? Yeah, no so, hate on the Bud Light. I sort of... <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, a lot of hate on Bud Light. <laughs> well, so when we first opened, it was just beer. 
um, the logistics of getting the liquor license and all that sort of took a backseat to just opening the doors. Uh, after a couple of months, we were like, okay, we got to add something different just like for a variety of reasons. It just opened more doors to different types coming in for whatever reason. Uh, but I have a, a bit of a craft beer nerd background, so I always tried to do some somewhat of a curated craft beer tap selection, locals, regional stuff. So it's definitely an influence. It's a small tap list. I like it to turn over fast. You probably aren't having the same things if you come in with a two-day break. So it's always something new. Yeah, I noticed that. We were there, I don't remember, a Thursday night, and I came back on a Saturday night. And I was like, oh, just give me that. And the, I think you told me, oh, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, damn. A lot of kicks <laughs> kick in a day or two. We get some heat from that. People are like, well, I was really enjoying that beer. It's like, sorry. Yeah. Well, there's some other good Try stuff on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try something different. It, it's known in the beer community as it only has eight taps, but probably the best tap list in town, like yeah. pound for pound. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And you said you had a bit of a like craft beer nerd background. And Jonathan, I know you do as well. Is that how you guys actually met? That is. Yep. It is. And then look at what this friendship has blossomed <laughs> into a beautiful pinball bromance. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'd, we'd seen each other around a bunch, but uh, a friend of ours had a Labor Day beer share probably like five years ago. And yeah, we just hit it off and we love hanging out at this other dive bar called Friends, um, which hopefully is going to stick around. They're losing their lease. Oh, that is uh, a very, very dive bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's the diviest bar in Nashville, hands down. I love uh, it so much. But yeah, like we went to friends like two nights in a row, hanging out, and just hit it off, and been friends ever since. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so uh, if you listen to our last episode, you heard from Tyler Mahanko, and he and Seth and Jonathan met at the pinball bar. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So it seems like the pinball bar isn't just about going to play pinball or blowing off some steam. It's like really like a community of people. And uh, so Tyler's here with us again. And can you tell us how you feel about that? Yeah, it's cool. Um, so I didn't know either Seth or JT when the uh, bar opened. But I think it was you on the No Quarter Instagram account before it opened sent me a message on Instagram. And because uh, they were like making the decisions of what are we going to put on the walls and decorate this place and everything. And he was like, hey, um, I happen to be aware that pinball was pretty huge in the country music world, which is a, is a fact. Like uh, tons of country people love pinball. There are all kinds of spots that used to be downtown. Like if you found a bar that didn't have a pinball machine, you found a bar where country music artists and songwriters were not going to hang out in the 1960s and 1970s. So it was pinball or nothing. Uh, so he was just like, what, like, what cool stories do you know about pinball? And I was like, well, I mean, the one that I know the most or the one that always comes to mind the most is aside from just Waylon Jennings being a famous pinball addict. Cause that's the one everyone knows is there's a story about uh, Roger Miller when he was, when he came to town, he was sort of like failed all over the place trying to be a songwriter and it wasn't really working out until he met this dude named Buddy Killen who worked at this big publishing company and they met over a pinball machine and Buddy gave Roger his last like $5 bill because it was just like a starving artist and gave him his like last $5 bill and he's like come see me at the office tomorrow and we'll get you signed to a songwriting contract and then that ended up being the thing that broke Roger Miller into being a successful artist so yeah, I mean, and that's just like one of the things where the crossover from pinball to country music. So then when the bar opened, of course, I went and I used to play pinball when I was a kid and then it went away 
um, I was born in 84, so right in the center of video games uh, becoming a thing. And as soon as video games came along, everyone was like, oh, pinball's done, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it sort of disappeared to the point where I kind of even forgot about it, you know. Um, and I, did, I got into video games uh, as a kid, and I kind of just, like, stopped playing video games when I was, like, 18 or 19. I just kind of, I was like, this is the same thing every time. It's just someone wrote this program, and I'm just going through this program. That's all this is. And so I just kind of quit. And I didn't really even rediscover pinball until, uh, I, honestly, after it was season one of Cocaine and Rhinestones came out, I was in L.A. for a business trip, taking some meetings with people, and uh, didn't have anything to do, and I was just like, what is there to do around here? And they, they were happy to be a pinball spot, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll go do that. And it was like, you know how you walk into someone's house and it smells the way that your grandma's house <laughs> did when you were a kid or something, you instantly remember everything about it? As soon as I like started playing the game, I was like oh man, I used to do this all the time when I was a kid and just right back into it, instantly addicted to it again. Um, yeah, it's one of the most addicting things of all time probably. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool story about how like, that's so when I think of pinball, I think of like things from when we were like little kids, like maybe it was at like the pizza place or something. There was one pinball machine and people would like fight over who got to play next. But then once video games, because I'm also from 84, once video games came around, it was like pinball's obsolete now. Well, they were multiplayer. You get four people playing the same game on those arcade cabinets. Yeah, so it's so neat to see something that is so nostalgic for people from probably all of our generations, I would guess. And um, yeah, that it seems like it's really bringing people back to that. And maybe that's why they come in and then they stay for the people they meet and the beers that are on tap. Yeah, I mean, there's a fascinating history to pinball where it was banned for decades for Wait, pinball gambling. was banned? It was banned. Oh, yeah. yes, it was gambling. <clears throat> so even even growing up, like my dad had a dive bar in West Nashville and we would grow up playing some of the, the, the bingo machines and I would play it and he would be like, oh, you just won 30 bucks. I was like, ah, that's not legal. Even, <laughs> even to the point where when we were getting our beer license just a couple of years ago, they made sure to tell me, you're not going to gamble on these, right? And I was like, no, definitely not. And that's just something that sort of stuck with its, its history from like, but back in the day, they didn't have flippers. It wasn't a game of skill. So that's actually the famous story is Roger Sharp went in and had to play in front of like the New York Town Hall, and he would call a shot, sort of Babe Ruth style. He's like, I'm going to plunge the ball. It's going to go in that hole. I'm going to flip it into that. And he did it, and they said, okay, this is a game of skill. It's legal. That's it, amazing. It took decades for it to fall out. Like In Tennessee, it was illegal up until early 2000, I think. the 2000s, it was still illegal for a person under the age of 18 to play, to play pinball, pinball without adult supervision. <laughs> it does seem a very dangerous sport. Yeah, it's so dangerous, <laughs> so dangerous. I had no idea about the history of pinball. Is there anything else interesting about pinball itself that we should know? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I, right now, it's having a huge resurgence over the it, past it like, really four or five years. It really seems like that, there's, yeah. There's games made off of marvel movies stranger things just anything you can think of like they're doing it now because it sells so well it's so one thing i noticed when i came in last week so obviously like i said i'm not a pinball player it's not something i have easy access to but as soon as i saw it i was like "Ooh, ninja turtles i love the fucking ninja turtles yep yep got super excited there and so that's the one and they were like that's a really hard one i was like i don't care don't know anything about it i want to play it because it was reminds me of my childhood so i imagine that's why like there's a big part of that that yeah the nostalgia factor um i don't like that game it's way way too hard (laughs) i love the theme though so i still play it all the time that's the show i grew up watching as a kid and it's based on the original i know i was there like (laughs) it's true but but um so rick and morty has a pinball machine i like the show it's funny the theme's good 
I can't stand the game, but I still play it because I enjoy the call-outs and the videos and stuff that they have in there. It's a okay. lot of fun. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, I prefer older games, personally. Like right, I, I play right. a lot of like 70s, 80s games. So ESPN actually just aired their first pinball tournament. Uh, we're hoping this is sort of the next step to taking you know the sponsorships to the next level, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. One thing y'all haven't talked about, though, so it, just like if you've never played pinball before, the thing about it is – Every unit of every machine. So, like, Twilight Zone and Adam's Family are two of the most... there, there are more of those machines than most other pinball machines. Those are the most popular, the ones that most people have played before. If you walk up to any Twilight Zone and you've, like, you've played one a lot and you think, oh, I love this game, I know it, you walk up to it, it's going to play radically different than the other one that you're used to. So, like, every unit of every game is different, and every game played on every unit is different. Like, it's not the same thing because it's physically... It's physical pieces moving around, so it's different every time. Is the is the main attraction to it? Yeah, I, think. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, you see it with the resurgence of records and things like that. It's just this this physical media. This it's not something pre programmed that you're going to get the same experience from every time. Every time you play it, it's different. And it, even if it's the same game a week later, you know, it's like something moved or anything could happen. And you, you can change. You can change the rubbers on the flippers from hard rubbers to soft rubbers, and it doesn't play the same way anymore. And you can set it up to where it's almost impossible, or you can set one up to where it's very easy to play. And, and people it, will complain either, one. <laughs> either way you do it, I you're going to complain. I am number one complainer right can now. You, can you tell me which games are the easiest right now to play? Like if I stop by later today and I think it's that, not open. Like, so in, in terms of easiness, I like to say, all right, what's a rule set that's easy to understand? What game can I walk up like with you up to and say, go do this? And so the one in the bar right now that I really like is Joker Poker, which is um, a poker theme. And basically on ball one, you try to finish the 10. On ball two, you try to finish two jacks. And it's just building your bonus and getting the best score you can. So, uh, I mean, but every game is different. So typically what you'll hear from people is look for the lit shot and shoot it. But if someone's new to pinball, it's just it's just pure chaos. Yeah. Um, just keep the ball alive. That's yeah. all you're trying to do. Yep. So anything you can do to slow the game down, and I have this cheesy thing where I'm like, it's a lot like life. You just want to calm the chaos for a second and figure <laughs> out what you're going to do next. Like, that's what you got to do. You got to figure out how to stop the ball, hold it on the flipper, look to see what you're going to do next. Okay. So it's it, a lot more strategy than most people would probably think yeah. for a pinball. Yeah, for sure. Very much so. Like, when you first start out, like I said, all you're trying to do is keep the ball alive. Um, but once you figure out, oh, I know the rules to this game, and I need to hit this shot or that shot to give me points or I can get an extra ball or a free game. Like that's when it becomes really fun. And you can do it fairly quickly. I mean, I probably got into that within two or three weeks of playing. No. Yeah. And we were at your bar, I guess what last Sunday or Sunday before last, whichever day it was kind of everything kind of run together, (laughs) but y'all had like this really cool thing. You had this guy cooking food in the back. Some of the best damn hot chicken (laughs) I've ever had in my entire life. What what made you come up with this concept of like, you know, we're going to bring a chef in and let him cook and, you know, you don't have to come in and play pinball, but you can come in and have lunch. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a buddy of ours. Um, I have to give him a shout out. It's Brave Idiot. Uh, we know him through the beer scene and he's gotten that off the ground and he loves what we're doing and it, it sort of his his things like he'll, he'll do four different deviled eggs and he'll put one of them's hidden with a bunch of hot sauce under it. And that plays right into like the goofy stuff that goes on at the bar. So sort of like, I think he calls it Russian roulette. 
because somebody's going to get burned real bad <laughs> on one of those eggs. And it happened to be me. It was not fun. Oh. So just um, anyone we can find in the community that's like, I don't want to say we don't take ourselves serious, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. We just want everyone to have a good time. And um, he plays right into that, and his food's amazing. So Yeah. And being in a small space, there's no kitchen there. Yep. So food is all pop-ups. Yep. That's amazing because then it like it just brings more small businesses together that like have similar ideas like like mindedness and uh, you know really even though like obviously like this is not our scene right now I think that it really plays into what we believe in and that like you don't have to do life like this super serious like I'm turned twenty five now I'm a grown up and I can't have fun anymore you know you can still go out and you made a business out of playing pinball and drinking beer yeah I, I th- and I'm sure that's a lot more complicated than just going in and playing <laughs> pinball and drinking beer but. It was definitely a passion project. Like I grew up in Nashville. I, I watched the way the city's changed. Um, the people moving in now, like we're restaurant wise, at least are like, it's all subway tile and spending millions of dollars and venture capital back. And I just wanted a place for like, I don't know, us regular to call people. home. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the fancy stuff's fun and it's changed the scene and, you know, in a lot of ways for the better in Nashville, but I just still, I don't want to lose that community that we have here. So that That's was amazing. a big driving force. I really for love that. Well, thank you guys so much for telling us a bit about No Quarter. Uh, if you are in Nashville or anywhere nearby, you've got to stop by. We'll uh, link the address and the Instagram down below. And so, yeah, definitely check it out. And also check out Brave Idiot on Instagram. You can see where he's going to be serving up his food. And if you haven't listened to episode nine about Tyler Mahanko and his absolutely outs- epic, epic, epic. outside-the-box story, please go back and listen now. All right. Thank you, guys. Yep. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share it on social media, give us a rating and leave a review. These really help us. Follow and connect with us on Instagram at Our Wayward Life and reach out to us with any questions either through social media or email at ourwaywardlife at gmail.com. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.